So I wrote slowly, self-consciously, forming whole sentences at a time before I would commit them like precious brushstrokes to my canvas. If a conversation failed to sustain interest or a description fell flat, I would be tempted to let the words stand because they were natural. I thought they were more real, not realizing that real, in fiction, as in sculpture, is an artifice. When I finished my first draft, every instinct in me wanted to call the book finished for good. But then I asked myself, what if it could be better? Would revision lessen the book's power or purity? The answer, of course, though painful to admit, was no. The answer to that question is always no. The cliché is that there is no good writing, there is only good rewriting. And this is the book that taught me that. I labored and labored over the words of the second draft, removing what made me cringe, adding flashes of poetry or insight. And these changes made the book so much better. Still not perfect, but well on its way to readable. The other major problem, as I set out to be a writer, was that my focus was almost exclusively on character, and this in spite of the fact that I had not yet learned two crucial lessons. One, Andre Malraux's dictum, that character is fate, and two, that character is revealed by action. It was in the actual writing of this book that these twin pillars of fiction came to have some meaning to me. I wanted everyone to talk about ideas and to represent ideals, but I found as I tried to formulate scenes that unless the characters in them actually did something, and more than that, something interesting or unexpected, that there was no life, no vibrancy, no drama. The power of the first scene, of the very first words, it wasn't what you'd call a clean kill, introduces action as revelatory of character in a specific scene, and it's this sense of scenes building on one another of people interacting and revealing themselves that drives the story forward. Story is so much more than mood, but until I put characters into action and into conflict, I had been blind to this lesson. As I've intimated here, I've done another small revision on this edition of Sunburn. I've removed a few inconsistencies, added some motivation, deleted excessive and cringe-inducing verbiage. What's left is the best book I could write at the age of 30 and one that taught me much of what I've come to know about writing. Now, rereading the novel myself for the first time in nearly 30 years, I was alternately pleased by my audacity, by some flashes of verbal dexterity, by the depth of tone and the complexity of the plot itself, and chagrined by many glaring motivational failures among my characters, and an embarrassing overabundance of cliché and profanity, most of both of these flaws hopefully excised in this printing. In the end, I was happily surprised, not by how much revision the book needed, but by how little. The story still works, the characters are alive and real, the setting is genuine. I would be surprised if many of this book's modern readers did not have to stifle at least a lump in the throat in the final pages. I know that I did. John Lusquois Part 1 My weariness amazes me. I'm branded on my feet. I have no one to meet, and the ancient empty streets too dead for dreamin'. Bob Dylan, Mr. Tambourine Man 1. It wasn't what you'd call a clean kill. But then it was only meant to be theater, and judging from Kira's reaction, a comedy at that. She was sitting on the stone wall laughing, and I hurried out from the woods next to the house to see what was so funny. Her squeals drowned out the squawks from the chicken until I'd come into the courtyard. 
I noticed at the same time that she was wearing no underwear and that the chicken was bleeding from its back, not its neck. Sean was standing over it, one leg holding down its legs, the axe in his one hand, ready to swing again. The chicken fluttered its wings madly, trying to free itself, pecking randomly, crazily at Sean's foot. Kira laughed again, and I stood transfixed while he brought the axe down three more times, finally severing the head. Then he removed his foot and the body began running in its last, hopeless freedom. When it dropped, Sean looked up at his audience. I told you I could. And you did. You were wonderful. Close your legs, he said. You're pretty visible. You've got blood on your pants. She dropped from the fence. Here's Douglas. Did you see him? She asked me. Wasn't he splendid? I walked over and picked up the chicken by its legs. I don't get it, I said. It's dinner, said Sean, no longer triumphant. I gathered that, but why didn't you let...